You're listening to the FUVFC Podcast on WFUVSports.org. Hello, everybody. Welcome into FUVFC. Uh, it's February 15th in the year 2018 that we're recording this. I'm Christian Hoven. I'm here with Jackson Heil and Luke Fiore. How you doing, boys? Doing well. How about you guys? Can't complain right now other than Manchester United. but Yeah, well, uh, we'll get into that. There's a lot <laughs> to complain about. Uh, we're going to start and I, I imagine spend most of our time talking about the Premier League. We've got a really interesting top four race shaping up here. Chelsea's been up and down. Uh, Spurs have been an interesting form. Liverpool are Liverpool as they always will be dominating Indeed. top teams and getting dominated by bad teams as as happens with Liverpool. Um, got some interest, maybe Manchester United taking a stumble towards the top. Uh, mm. Maybe somebody could challenge for a second. Hypothetically, we're going to get into all of that. The Golden Boot race, Player of the Year race, the relegation race. There's a lot to get to, but we're also going to mm-hmm. talk Champions League. A few interesting results this week. Um, we had uh, Madrid beat PSG at the yeah. Bernabeu. We had that Tottenham-Juve draw uh, at Juve. A couple of non-competitive matches featuring Liverpool and Manchester City that we'll touch on. Um, but we're going to start in on the Premier League, and the topic that I would like to start with um, is uh, some unfortunate news from the Premier League. Uh, Ryan Mason, uh, midfielder for Hull City, so not in the Premier League now, but formerly of Tottenham and the English national team, forced to retire early at the age of 26 uh, from a severe head injury that he sustained 13 months ago. Um, and it's, it's an un- it was an unfortunate injury. It came on him and uh, Gary Cahill, I believe, yep. were going up for a header, and they just collided heads and Mason came out with a life-threatening head injury so the the question that I have is it is there it in such a routine play that results in such a disastrous uh consequence ending the career of a of a bright young talent English talent is is there a conversation to be had about player safety in soccer you hear about player safety in in football, in American football, that is, and hockey and more violent sports. But is there a similar conversation to be had in soccer, especially with violent collisions like that? I mean, I, I just don't really know what you could do exactly, especially with head injuries in soccer, because you're not going to put helmets on, clearly, because that changes the entire complexion of how you play soccer. And we've seen like those little headbands that they have. I know my sister used to wear one, but that's not going to prevent a fractured skull when it comes at you like that so I mean obviously this this is kind of just seems like a unique scenario with Mason where I mean obviously it sucks I mean it ended a guy's career and he was off to a really nice start in his career as you mentioned he played for Tottenham he was a regular in their team for a while when he was in his early 20s but I, I don't think there's really too much of a concern about player safety here I actually completely disagree with that um I think I I've I've thought this for years even playing soccer as a kid that headers are just it's just kind of dangerous I mean I know it's inherent to the game of soccer but when you're like going in for your head uh with your head to head in for a goal uh and guys are going in to try and kick it away with their feet it's just a messy situation that plus going in for headers at the same time as other people I think um I think it's something inherent to soccer but it needs to definitely be looked at in such a serious case like this um 
I know Petr Cech had a yeah, similar. I mean, ins- I was I was gonna say. Yeah. I mean, it's not something that's isolated to Ryan Mason just because this was perhaps one of the most severe cases of it we've seen. You see guys clash heads all the time. Petr Cech still wears a helmet. Yeah. Uh, when he plays goalie because of that, and that's it's a little bit of a different situation for Cech because it doesn't he, uh, goalie doesn't use their head as much, so wearing a helmet doesn't affect how they play as much. But Petr Cech does it. Um, even not clashing of heads, but a foot to a head like that yeah. uh, play in that Liverpool Manchester City game last season. Yes. Not to not to bring up not to Mommy. bring it up for the purpose of trashing <laughs> Liverpool as Luke Fiore thinks that I am. But yes. generally, it happens. I mean, there's the clash of heads. Somebody's got a high boot, and somebody else is diving with their head. So I, there is something to be said for that, but it, there's also something to be said for it's just a really unfortunate happenstance with Ryan Mason in particular. Yeah, and also I just don't I don't see how you could even like remotely try to change it though, because as we mentioned, it's so inherent to the game of soccer. I mean, guys like Olivier Giroud, Romelu Lukaku, they make a living off headers, so yeah. you can't you can't really take it away from the game, and there's no real solution in terms of protecting the head from. From basically a head-on-head clash, because if you add helmets, that completely changes how you had the ball. And I, I just think it's too complicated of a scenario. And obviously the concussion issues have been like issues throughout all sports, especially football. But I just don't see a scenario in which there's a significant change to how it's approached in soccer. All right, so an unfortunate scenario there for uh, Ryan Mason, and we wish him all the best for the future. Um, but we, we do have uh, some interesting races to talk about in the Premier League, specifically the race for the top four, because yes. the, the Premier League title, that's all sewed up. We don't even need to talk about Manchester City. In fact, I don't even want to talk about Manchester City Mm-mm. because it's not even fun anymore. <laughs> but I do want to talk about the top four because we've got five teams right now yes, from second to sixth that are in inconsistent form all over the place, any any one of these teams could end up in any spot, and I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. So, But the, fir- the first question I'm going to pose is, New Look Arsenal with Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang lose to Tottenham, who are directly ahead of them in the standings, putting them, I think there's a five-point gap or a set, maybe a six- or seven-point gap even between Tottenham and it's Arsenal. It's seven now. It's seven now. Mm-hmm. Is that it for Arsenal? Um, I actually don't think so. I um... Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang have been great acquisitions. I said it before the deals even happened. I think they're a better team now, minus Giroud and Sanchez, plus uh, Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang. Uh, And I think they're just getting started. You saw in their first game together how explosive that was. I mean, Tottenham's a great team, but it's going to take a little bit of time putting those pieces together, and I think they'll be able to sort it out. Um, Do I see them finishing in the top four? It's a strong possibility. Man U and Chelsea have both been trending in the wrong direction, I think. Um, and while Tottenham's on the rise right now, you n- you never know. They were they've been very inconsistent uh, throughout the beginning of the season. So I think Arsenal definitely still has a shot at nabbing a top four spot. Uh, Sorry, I just I gotta interject here. I I I, I can't agree with you on that one. I mean, I, I think personally, I think Tottenham's about to shift into another gear where. They can make a run potentially at United for second place right now, and I, I think they'll they could overwhelm Chelsea and Liverpool. But the thing with Mkhitaryan is like he'll show you flashes of being like one of the best players in the world, and then he disappears, and you have no idea where he is for a ten game stretch. So that's the biggest problem with him. I mean, adding a Boomerang is obviously a nice add, but I think you're really overestimating how underestimating how much of a loss Sanchez was given 
how talented he is. I mean, he's a, arguably a top five player in the Premier League, and I just don't see them making up that seven point differential. And, and, and the problem that I have with with Arsenal, and you saw it in their match with Tottenham, is that they can't maintain possession. Mkhitaryan, Ozil, and Aubameyang are great players for what they do. Mkhitaryan and Ozil are very creative, and Aubameyang's a great striker. But they, but their midfield right now is what. Jack Wilshere and Granite Jaka. Yeah. They're, they're not maintaining possession. I mean, I think Moussa Dembele held the ball by himself for 25 minutes in that match. I mean, they just, they couldn't, they couldn't do anything in the midfield to get the ball to their creative players. So while they added creativity in the winter with Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang, they there's no point to having a creative attack if you're not going to get your attack the ball. I don't think that necessarily speaks as much to Arsenal as it does to Tottenham. I mean, Dembele is super He's, he's on another level yeah. right now. He's been, yeah, I was just going to say. He's, he's so underrated um, for what he, everything he's done for Tottenham, especially when they've been struggling. And, I mean, you just saw in the Juventus game, Tottenham completely dominated the second half, parts of the first half too. Um, where Juventus, one of the greatest teams in the world right now, was completely helpless. So I think it says more about Tottenham than it does about Arsenal at this stage. All right, that's fair, and I'm going to accept the Tottenham praise whenever <laughs> I can will. get it. Yeah. Um, so the 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 I want to move on here to Chelsea. Chelsea are currently in fourth, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were trending downwards. They had a couple of bad uh, losses uh, to Burnmouth and Watford by three goals apiece. Yeah. At 3-0 to Burnmouth and 4-1 to Watford. And then they, they come back and they beat West Brom 3-0. And Olivier Giroud looked very good um, in his new role at Chelsea, uh, recently transferred in from Arsenal. Uh, Hazard looked to have some spark back in him, got uh, two goals, I believe. Um, and so and Chelsea looked very good. So my question is this. Is this a turnaround for Chelsea or is it a... Uh, something to do with the fact that they were playing literally the worst team in the Premier League. Definitely more of the latter because, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, the the way they played against Watford and Bournemouth was, I mean, you can't not be concerned about the way they played. And you look in the beginning of that Chelsea game, I mean, they Rodriguez for West Brom had a easy, I mean, it, it, it was a pretty, I was pretty convinced it was a penalty. And then he had a breakaway early on a defensive breakdown in the back where it could have easily been 2 nothing West Brom real quickly at Stamford Bridge, and that kind of would have set that entire crowd on fire. So, yes, Chelsea were f- – they they did respond well in that game. And like you mentioned, Olivier, Olivier Giroud was all over the place on the pitch. He was, he was masterful, and so did Hazard. Hazard looked like a top-two player in the Premier League. But I, I, I'm not – too sold that Chelsea's back necessarily they have obviously like we were talking about before the show they have three tests in the next two weeks against Barcelona Manchester United who have been haven't played well obviously of late and then Manchester City so they have a really tough stretch of games coming up and, and that's then Barcelona pro- again yep yeah. and then Tottenham to start off April which is obviously a month down the road but th- this is what we're gonna this is where we're gonna find out really what Chelsea can do and arguably Antonio Conte's future because there's been a lot of rumblings around there. Yeah, I I to be honest, I was a little surprised that he stuck around after the two two losses in which they lost by a total of six goals to mm-hmm. Watford and Burnmouth, but I quite frankly if I were a Chelsea fan I'd be glad that he was still around. I think it's oh, yeah. way too soon to pull the trigger, but I was surprised that they didn't. Um so just gut reaction, both of you. Do Chelsea finish the season in the top 4 or is this the start of a a, sp- a downward spiral that leaves them on the outside looking in at Champions League for next season? Um, 
I'm going to say they finish four. It's four or five. It's tough. I don't know if they're going to finish in the top four, but I think they'll finish either fourth or fifth. I mean, I think Liverpool will finish in the top four. I think Tottenham will finish in the top four, and it's really between Man U and Chelsea, I think. For That's that. interesting that you, yeah. would, that you would say that Manchester United... That even though they Manchester United are playing the worst of the three teams, yeah. Liverpool, Tottenham, and Manchester United, but they are currently the highest in the standings. So it's interesting that you would say that Manchester United would be the team that would be on the edge of falling out of the top four. I think they are more likely to stay at number four than Chelsea, but um, I don't know. Because I'm not sold on Chelsea's turnaround yet. You go back to the beginning of uh, January, they tied Arsenal twice. They lost to Arsenal. They tied Norwich City twice. And then you talk about the two games against Watford and Bournemouth. I mean, they're playing just not really well at all. Um, and yes, they look good in the West Brom game, but... It's West Brom. It's West Brom. Interesting something to look for for Chelsea. They might switch to a two-striker formation with Morata and Giroud, which I think could that would definitely help them. Because I, I agree that it would help them, but is, is Conte it, willing it, to do... Exactly. To, but the thing, I'll give Conte credit. He hinted at it in his like in his last press mm-hmm. conference, and that would be something that would be. I mean, I'll give him a lot of credit because that guy's stuck in his ways for what it seems like forever, similar to Mourinho in that aspect. But I, I just I, I don't see Chelsea honestly finishing in the top four. I see them at five because as much as United has played poorly lately, I don't. I the only one that can get in their way is Mourinho. They're way too talented to yeah. jump out of the top four. And, and the thing about United is they they've been struggling of late, but they were starting from su- from such a better position yep. than the other uh, mm-hmm. teams racing for the top four. Um, so, moving on from Chelsea, we're going to talk about uh, Liverpool now. Liverpool had that uh, interesting match with Tottenham. Um, take it or leave it. It was a draw. Luke is very upset. He thinks that Eric Lamel is a diving cheater. I do. But we're gonna... As do I think of Harry Kane. Well, you know what? The ball doesn't lie. <laughs> and that first penalty, Harry Kane missed. It shouldn't have been a penalty. And then the second penalty, well, Harry Kane made because it should have been. So but... More accurately, Karius saved. Well, yeah. Well, I, a, a saved penalty is a missed penalty as far as I'm concerned. Um, so... It was they had a they had a draw against Tottenham and then they come back and beat Southampton in the in the yeah. league the next week. Um, they're they're on very good form um, after their loss to West Brom. They've been on very good form since then. But is that loss to West Brom concerning? Is that is that a, a sign that they can't shake this these struggles they've had for years against the worst teams in the league? Well, they'll dominate. The best teams in the league. They're the only team this year that's beaten Manchester City, but then again, they've lost to West Brom. Is that is that concerning? Is that a concerning trend that's continuing for Liverpool, or was that game a blip in the radar? I'm going to say no as of today, because um, as you saw yesterday in the Porto game, the first half, Porto was playing extremely defensively, and that seems to be what always gives Liverpool problems. When these bad teams they go up against play defensively, um, and then counterattack and then score a goal, and then Liverpool goes down one nothing and can't score for the rest of the game. Uh, I think that's their main problem, but Porto was playing very defensively. Liverpool seemed to be able to break it. I think they're, being, they're starting to put the pieces together on defense with um, Lovren play, getting more playing time over Matip, and then Van Dijk finally like integrating. Uh, plus, I mean, 
watching Carius in that Tottenham game and in the Southampton game, he was making some saves that you see from some of the top keepers. I mean, since the Tottenham game, he's really come into form. Um, so I'm excited to see what the rest of the season brings, especially because he's not only competing with Mignolet, he's competing with the possible acquisition of either Allison or Kaylor Navas or uh, Jack Butland or someone of a higher caliber. So he's really competing for playing time. And I think Mane, as you saw yesterday with his hat trick, is starting to come back in form too, which is extremely scary for any Premier League opponent. I mean, Salah is in contention for the golden boot. Firmino works as hard as anyone in the game, and he's just a really good striker, despite not having the skill set that many other great strikers have. And then Mane's pace is just absurd. And now that he's getting back into goal-scoring form... So I don't think that Liverpool has to worry right now. Um, seeing what they did uh, post-West Brom, even though they drew against Tottenham, um, which I uh, don't don't seem to uh, have the same feelings about as Christian, but uh, they played very well that game. They played very well against Southampton. And before West Brom, they did beat Man City. They completely dominated that game. It was only 4-3 because they kind of gave up at the the end and let in two goals but um yeah that's that's how i think that liverpool season's gonna kind of shake out I, I i'm sorry i i was i wasn't interrupting there because i was kind of laughing a bit when you said they were figuring out their defense by giving lover more minutes that was just so <laughs> funny to me he's I, so bad no i he's think so bad i don't He's I mean, so bad. people think he's like the worst defender of it's all cause time. It's because he's got bad reaction times and he's slow. He and is, he has bad positioning. Yes. Which are three things when in combination usually spell being a terrible defender. He works pretty hard. Um, I'll give him that. Yeah, so does Musa Sissoko. That doesn't mean he doesn't stink. I know, but I think at this point he's a better defender than Matip. Yeah, so, that's not saying that's a, a ton, That's a though. low bar to clear. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean... Yeah, uh, Liverpool doesn't have really the options back there that a top four team really should. But I think with Van Dyke back there and Carius in form and but maybe they, getting Klein back, hopefully if he's still alive, who knows? But do, does does that not trouble you at all, Jackson? I'm, I'm moving away from talking to a <laughs> Liverpool fan about this and moving towards some objectivity. Does that does that not trouble you? Yes, they have arguably the best front three in the league. Mane, when he's on form, is incredible. Salah's in the golden boot race. And Firmino's, a, uh, I think Firmino's a great striker. Un- very underrated. Very underrated. I think he's a great striker. He does so much that doesn't end up on the stat sheet for that team. Yeah. And I, I do agree that they have one of the best front threes in the league. But I'm not sold on their midfield, and their defense is, at best, bad. So, does that concern you at all? Or can their front three just be so talented that they entirely overcome the other issues that the team has yeah, see that's where like I'm, I'm really caught in the middle here because like you mentioned I mean it'd be like you'd be crazy to not be concerned with them defensively because if you're saying Dejan Lovren is your guy in the back and that's a good thing then your team has serious problems defensively but um listen if, if like you said I think everything has to go right for them to be good Mane has to continue to play at the top of his game it can't, it can't just be Salah it, it, exactly that that's mm-hmm. the main thing it, like Firmino has to score a little more I know he's been tremendous this year but he has to get on the score sheet a little more Salah has to continue what he's doing like he has to be the best player in the Premier League like he has been and Sané's got to come back and score some goals because like you mentioned the big problem for them against 
teams at the bottom of the table has been scoring goals and avoiding going down one nothing against the counterattack. So they're going to have to break through early against teams like that. Also, the thing with them is they have an easy schedule down the stretch. They do, I mean, have, they they have, do have probably the easiest schedule. They of, play Man U and Chelsea, and that's that's it. about it. Yep. They they probably have the easiest schedule of all the teams competing for the top four. I mean, arguably, in, but, in the but Liverpool that, that reality, could also be a bad thing. It, yeah, it could be the hardest schedule for Liverpool because, because they're playing all bad teams. Because they're going to be playing against teams with eleven guys behind the ball, and they can't yeah. they can't break that. I down. don't know. I, I'm I'm pretty optimistic after seeing what they did to Porto. Um, we'll see if it carries over. And let's not forget, United weekend. will put eleven behind the ball too against you. Yeah, United, United are going to put eleven behind the ball, so which it, I think is hysterical. But yeah, you know, Mourinho's Mourinho. So I, I want to. Well, we are going to get into that <laughs> very quickly. Jackson, uh, we do have to move on to the Champions League um, before the end of the show here. But Jackson, very quickly. Manchester United in or out of the top four. I mean, I'm going to put them in because I think they're too talented not to be. I, I, mean, I do agree. They're, they're with just that. Mid, in the midfield wise, Mourinho's got to let Pogba be himself yeah. because that that's been the biggest problem in two of the last three games. I mean, it was weird against Tottenham. I was almost happy that they scored. What was it? 14 seconds in because it would force them to play nine attack, seconds. Nine in. seconds in. It was. I was almost happy about that because it forced them to play attacking football at least and. For 15 minutes, they did that and were dominant. But I was I was then, terrified for the next. 15 I mean, it, it could have been three one yeah. by the 15 minute mark. If it weren't, then, if literally, I think, if it weren't for Davinson Sanchez, it would have been. Yep. And then Phil Jones just crapped himself in the back. But <laughs> that was hysterical. I'll disregard that. And the Newcastle game, I'm not too concerned about. I mean, they had a number of chances that they should have scored on and mm-hmm. didn't. But I overall, I just think as long as Mourinho doesn't get in the way, which is a big if at this point, I, I think there's no question they finish in the top four. But yet again, I it there he's unpredictable. So it'll be interesting to watch. All right, so we are going to move on to the Champions League, but very quickly, just round out your top four for me, Luke. I'm going to go with Man City one. That's you're Look, going out on a limb there with that one. Yeah, I mean it's it's a tough choice, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go. Let's say begrudgingly right now, Tottenham two, Liverpool three, and. Chelsea four. It's a hot take. All right, it's Jackson. Hot, but I'll, I'll go City, Tottenham, United, Liverpool. I'm I'm gonna go th- the exact same thing. City, uh, Tottenham, United, Liverpool. Uh, I have been looking at Tottenham's schedule for the rest of the uh, league season, and it is uh, almost as easy as Liverpool's. They the only matches they have left against big teams are at Stamford Bridge and home to Manchester City, and then other than that, they have uh, matches that they should do pretty well in. Um, so we are going to move on to the Champions League, and we have some interesting results to discuss. Um, the one that I do want to get to is uh, Real Madrid 3, PSG 1 at the Bernabeu. A couple goals for Ronaldo. Is Ronaldo back? Is Madrid back? Or was it a case of a home match at the Bernabeu powering them through against a better team? I think it's a little bit of both. I think, honestly, Real Madrid's probably the scariest team in the Champions League right now really? because they have nothing else to play for right That's now because fair. they're not catching Barcelona. They're probably not going to catch Atletico in second place. And and all these all these English teams are fighting for... Yep. The, 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 other, the only counterpoint I would have to that is Manchester City are so far clear That's in the true. Premier League that they have nothing to play for there. But I, I'll grant yeah. your premise. Go but, on. Um, and I think the, the only thing that could have really 
prompted them forward and possibly even pushed them past City was getting Ronaldo back. And I mean, you, you can't take a penalty against him. I mean, especially with the way yeah. he's been struggling, that's something that's going to get him going. And then he gets that kind of lucky bounce in for the second goal. I mean, listen, I wasn't all that pressed with all that impressed with Real Madrid to be honest. I thought PSG got they had way too many chances early on and I think Neymar and Mbappe they got, they got they took a lot of heat for this game and I, I honestly I don't really see it. I thought yeah, I, played I, very I well. thought Neymar dominated the yeah. entire game and Mbappe had chances too. And I, I just think overall they, they just really they didn't convert on where ones they should have. Rabio was the only one who was able to break through. But that, that was a very nice goal. It, it was. I mean, tremendous back heel by Neymar, and mm-hmm. then great finish by Rabio. But the best player on the field I thought was Marcello. I mean, yeah. he was tremendous I mean, throughout the game. Kind of, I, I thought I thought they were gonna have to take him out when he when he <laughs> yeah. went down. Honestly, I no. I at first my first reaction when I saw him go down like that was oh get up, you know mm-hmm. he's exaggerating. But then I saw them. All the trainers run out there. I was like, "Oh boy, they're, they're going to be in some serious trouble yeah. if they have to take him out because they have PSG have great speed and talent on the wings, and mm-hmm. Marcelo's such a good left back that he was shutting down Mbappe. Mbappe was cr- possessing the ball a lot, but he wasn't creating great scoring chances because of Marcelo. Mm-hmm. I was really concerned when he went down, but him staying in the match was huge for Real Madrid. Yeah, and I think if PSG wants any shot, they got to get Cavani more involved. Yes, I mean, absolutely. He, he was a non-factor he was, in this. As, as he is in most big games in his career, Edinson Fair Cavani enough. was a non-factor. Um, so do do they, Luke Fiore, do, or do PSG stand any chance on their return leg at home? The away goal is huge here for yeah. PSG, so if they win 2-0 at home, they're through. I think PSG has a very good chance. Um, keep in mind, They weren't playing with Thiago Silva or Di Maria. That's a good so, point. Um, I, well, I also agree. I think PSG played a better game. Um, they just missed a lot of opportunities. So when they're at home, I think, especially with that away goal, uh, they have a very good shot. This is certainly not over. But that being said, it is Real Madrid. They've been there before. They won last year. They do have Ronaldo, who is arguably the greatest player in the world. Um, so you can never count against Real Madrid, despite how poor their form was domestically. But I also am not sold on them being completely back. I don't think they had that great a performance. Um I think Ronaldo played pretty well, but he also missed some opportunities. Um, so I think PSG definitely has a shot, um, a good shot at uh, getting on to the next round. So in other matches uh, in the Champions League this, league this week, Liverpool and Manchester City mm-hmm. uh, both have relatively easy draws. They both dominated. Um, Liverpool probably dominated more than people thought they would, putting up five goals in a very impressive yeah. display. Manchester City were Manchester City. Um, they're playing Basel, I yeah. believe, and they just absolutely crushed him. Um, the one, the one match that I do want to talk about is Tottenham and Juve. Tottenham go down two 0 in the first ten minutes on uh, a goal by Gonzalo Iguain that was offside, and then uh, a penalty goal um, from Gonzalo Iguain, and then they just absolutely dominated the next eighty minutes, arguably. And my my question is this: um, the the two players who turned that game around entirely and dominated that game for Tottenham were Moussa Dembele mm-hmm. and Christian Eriksen. Yeah. Christian Eriksen is 26 years old. He turned 26 yesterday. He's coming he's not even in he's coming into the prime of his career. My question about Christian Eriksen is this. Is he another 
Luka Modric, Gareth Bale, who is going to hit the prime of his career with Tottenham and bolt? Or is this the start? Or is is Harry Kane committing to stay because he's a local boy? Is that the start of a trend for Tottenham of keeping more players, do you think? Because Harry, Kane, Harry Kane's going to stay because literally he grew up blocks from the stadium. He's not leaving. But is that going to help them retain more players like Christian Eriksen? Or is that going to dominate their wages too much because they're paying Harry Kane and it's going to leave other players to leave? Um, I think that it is going to help uh, retain players like Christian Eriksen. But not all players are like Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen's very... Um, He's like team minded. He's very not modest. Yeah, he's not um like a Neymar or Ronaldo who is very yep. about or, their or own or brand. You, or you can say it. Or Deli Ali. You can say it. Yeah. <laughs> um but when it comes to those type of players, I'm not sure. They're gonna go where the, the money is, especially. And I mean a lot of people don't dream of playing for Tottenham. Um people dream of playing for Real or Barcelona or PSG. So if you're especially like a Spanish uh, player, like even you see with Thibaut Courtois wanting to leave Chelsea for um, um, one of the Madrid teams, um, Harry Kane's not necessarily going to keep them, especially when he's making that much money. But I think players like Christian Eriksen, who are very good players in their own right, um, will it'll definitely help with those type of players. Uh, here's the thing. You you brought it perfectly. I, I think the one that you're concerned about leaving is Deli Alley, to be honest, because like you mentioned, Erickson is as modest as they come, and he's arguably the quietest player in the Premier League. I mean, he does so much for them that we don't really talk about. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it, it, the difference in two weeks, uh, without Christian Erickson, they drew yep. Southampton at home, and then with Christian Erickson, they just dominated Manchester United, yep. and he scored in 10 seconds. Yep, mm-hmm. so uh, that, that would be... I, I'm not too concerned about him leaving. He's not the ego maniac that Gareth Bale and Deli Alley and all the other guys you mentioned are. So I'm I'm not too concerned about him leaving and it definitely helps to have Harry Kane there, a guy who can finish every ball that he puts through because that's exactly what Harry Kane does. So I'm not I wouldn't be too concerned about him leaving because they also have a foundation there because you mentioned Erickson's only 26. Kane's tremendously young. So is Deli Alley. They're strong in the back. So I I wouldn't be worried about him leaving. All right. So we've got we've got two Premier League teams who are basically through with Manchester City and Liverpool. Um, we've got Tottenham who are who are tied with Juve coming home to Wembley for the second leg. Manchester United and Sevilla are going to play next week, and then Barcelona and Chelsea are going to play next week. So my my last question to you guys. We got to wrap this up soon. But my last question to you guys is this. How many Premier League teams will be in the final eight in the Champions League? Well, obviously Liverpool and Man City, as long as something doesn't go catastrophically wrong. Um, I would say that for Man U also, I think they should be able to beat Sevilla. Um, Chelsea, I don't think really has that much of a shot against uh, Barcelona, but Tottenham's got a really good shot. Uh, But I think that Juve will advance if they have Dybala if they have Quadrado which are big ifs for the next game but Tottenham I think is more likely than not to advance I think United's through to be honest that it'll be tough but I think they'll get through I also think Tottenham's through personally I, I they've played too well two of away late. goals is huge yeah, exactly just you just need a mm-hmm. draw and as long as Pochettino isn't too complacent they'll be fine and I don't think Chelsea's through as we mentioned Barcelona is just too good all right I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you guys I'm gonna say it's four Premier League teams in the final eight of the Champions League which is absolutely incredible yes. for the Premier League um 
Good episode today, fellas. Good to be with you for Jackson Heil and Luke Fiore. I'm Christian Hoban. Thanks for listening. <laughs>